Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. And now, we dive into the book of Acts. Okay, real quickly, let's remember though, the apostles, uh, um, Paul and Barnabas, are now in Iconium. Remember, uh, the last chapter uh, ended with them being persecuted in Antioch and Pisidia. Uh, remember, they dusted off the or they're dusted off their feet. Um, and this chapter we are, you know, remember we talked about doing these in chunks from now on. This chapter we are going to do as whole. I think we can do that in pretty, in pretty good time. Uh, but chapter 15 we'll probably have to divvy up. Okay, everybody ready? <clears throat> now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so, sp- and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they, be- they became aware of it and fled to the Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lysonia, uh, into the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up, straight on your feet. And he leapt and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lysonian uh, language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Uh, Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good, uh, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could uh, scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. The Jews, then Jews from uh, Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Uh, now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now when they had, con- now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of the faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. He who has ears to hear the word of God, let him hear all right, so verses 1 and 2. It was cut off before, so I had to kind of drag these down so they might just be kind of all over the place today. 
So Iconium was about 90 or 90-ish, 80 to 90 miles southeast of Antioch. Remember, this is where they were last week. So they go 90 miles southeast uh, to uh, Iconium, which was originally a Fergian town. Augustus changed it to a province of Galatia. Um, do you, and this kind of this this account in uh, Iconium is kind of, is very similar to what happened in Antioch and Pisidia. Uh, here, remember those the, the in Antioch and Pisidia they had they had stirred up all the prom, the prominent women and the the men of the city, uh, the city leaders basically to persecute um, the 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 apostles Barnabas and Paul. Um, here, the Jews stirred up the Gentiles. You know, uh, uh, but the Jews poisoned their minds. Minds here is literally souls. Poisoned can also mean embittered. So these men are embittering the souls of the Gentiles to turn them from the faith, and any Jew that's coming to faith as well, but primarily to the Gentiles, because again, that's who Paul and Barnabas are kind of seeking now. This is far away from Israel, and so these are, these are, either, these are either Gentile pagans or they're proselytes. So they're still Gentile Jews, okay? But that's who they're, uh, that's who they're stirring up. Um, where am I here? Where's my little, where am I? Where's my arrow thing? <laughs> Why can't I see it here? Okay, that's not what I want. Go back. Where is it? It's because you have it. What happened? You go backwards. Okay, let's do this. I'm still, oh, there it is. Okay. Got it back. Okay, and remember though, the greatest obstruction to a believer is hatred. And that's what they're stirring them up. They're poisoning their minds. They're embittering their souls to hate these men. Okay, and that's, that's, what, they're, that's what they're doing. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, the depth of their unbelief has yet to descend into murder. They're not trying to kill them just yet, but that's an inevitable outcome every time you begin with this, uh, this cause. All right. Oh, well, there it's cut off. Uh, this is verse three. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who is bearing witness to the Lord of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So Paul and Barnabas will not be dissuaded just because these, these Jews are stirring these Gentiles up. They're, they're speaking boldly, and they stayed there a long time. Again, Luke doesn't ever tell us how long, and this is a very short sentence. Okay, so again, we can't relate the brevity of time or the length of time that they stayed or were in these particular accounts based on anything other than this, this kind of uh, phrase, basically. They stayed there a long time. So we know that this brief account happened for an extended period of time. Um, okay, now, and as I hope you've been anticipating, <laughs> they're speaking boldly in the Lord. They're not merely speaking boldly about the Lord. The preacher 
who only preaches about the Lord is empty. He, so the preacher who doesn't preach in the Lord and preach boldly in the Lord is an empty preacher. His preaching is empty, and he preaches to empty men and women. The preacher must be filled and must be in Christ, and that's who bears witness to the word of his grace. The, the preacher without Christ doesn't have Christ bearing witness to his grace, granting signs and wonders. So it's very important. These men are not merely speaking about Christ. They are speaking in Christ and bearing witness to the words of his grace. Um, yeah, I already said all that. Um, yeah, again, so the true preacher preaches in the Lord who bears witness of his grace. And that's how men and women are saved. If you preach outside of Christ, you will, that will save no one. An empty message without Christ doesn't have a Christ to save. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Four and five. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, it goes on, obviously. But so here we have a city divided. Part one to, or going with the Jews, part or staying with the apostles. And again, this is happening a long time. So this division is taking place and increasing more and more and more until they want to stone them. Remember, in Antioch and Pisidia, they, they got all the, the Jews, and, or I mean the prominent men and the prominent leaders, men and women, uh, in that city who began to persecute, it, per, persecute them, and they were going to inevitably try to kill them, but then they fled to Iconium, which we're going to see here in a little bit when they go to Lystra. But, so they want, they... Their hatred and their persecution is, is increasing. Their, their poisoning of the minds of these Gentiles, their embittering the souls of these Gentiles is increasing t until they want to kill them. Okay, and that's where we are. Now, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lysonia, and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. Now, we can't take this fleeing as a fear, okay? The faithful martyr, remember Stephen? He didn't run into the crowd. He didn't run to go to this place where he knew he was going to be martyred. Again, the faithful martyr will flee any time he knows his body's in danger because he knows he only has a brief amount of time on this earth to preach Christ. And so he will, wants to extend that to as much as he can. The man the faithful martyr does not run toward the sword or run to the gallows. He waits. He waits. And the reason a true preacher wants and desires that is because martyrdom, the true faithful martyrdom, when God is witnessing through a martyr, is a sermon a preacher can't preach. The, the, the martyrdom, the faithful martyrdom of a man or woman is a sermon no man or woman can preach. And that's why, if ever, you know, I, it would be an amazing privilege and an honor, but I don't seek that out. But again, if that were to happen, I would be pleased and honor God because that would be the greatest sermon I could never give. Does that make sense? But that's why they're fleeing, okay? 
Because anytime Satan begins to assault your body, you, you remain as much as you can in your body to witness to other people. And that's what they're doing. So they flee to Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding areas. And of course, they're going to pick up their preaching there. They're preaching everywhere they go. Okay. And we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it pretty much already. Okay. And by the way, so, and we're going to see this kind of towards the end. But when after, so the, here's Lystra and here's Derby. After they get to Derby, they end up going back to all of these same cities in which they preached and in which they're almost killed. But they're going back to these, these cities until they go back to Antioch, remember where the Spirit had, had commanded them to separate Paul and Barnabas for him, for his purpose. And so that's what they're doing. They're, they're going through all the churches they've, they've built, they've founded, and, and encouraging them. We'll, again, we'll see this until they return to Antioch, and then they have a big party. Okay. Okay, 8 through 10. And in, okay. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Uh, this man heard, heard Paul speaking. Uh, Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Let us recall the lame man in chapter 3. Much of Paul's ministry actually reflects Peter's. This occasion is very similar to Peter's first sermon at, at Pentecost. Or, I'm sorry, to the, the occasion uh, when, when uh, Peter heals the lame man. Remember, that lame man was lame since birth. Remember, and they're walking into the temple. They're about to enter into the temple, and that man is begging for alms. And that's where Peter says, you know, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have, or what we have, I give to you in the name of Christ, you know, rise up and walk. And then he helped him up, remember? Now here, here is a man, a lame man, since birth, listening. This man heard Paul speaking, listening to him. He's listening to his sermon. And, and, and Paul observing him intently remember this is the intent look the same that peter gave to the lame man and the same that he implored the lame man to give to him look intently fix your eyes so paul fixed his eyes on this man and however he saw probably through the spirit we don't know but he saw that this man had faith to be healed christ luke refers to christ as knowing that as well in his gospel in the gospel of luke he says that Christ knew that this person had faith to be healed. And Christ even says, you know, your faith has healed you, all this other stuff, which we will consider another time, because there are other places where that's just more emphatic, so we'll just wait until we get to that. Um, so he said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. He didn't say, in Jesus' name. Now, again, when, the apostles, when Peter and John are entering the temple, they find this man, and then they say, in Jesus' name. They weren't preaching. This, that man hadn't heard the testimony of Christ and his resurrection and all of that. And so Paul, P, uh, Peter has to specify that this is the name that's saving you. This is the name that's healing you. Okay? This man is already listening to Paul. So when he tells him to stand up, share on your feet, that man knows who healed him. Paul doesn't have to say in Christ's name. He's preaching Christ. Okay, does that make sense? Remember, um, 
in the other Lystra when uh, uh, Peter told Tabitha to, to rise. Remember, she was dead. And he says, you know, rise, Tabitha. Awake, Tabitha. I don't remember what he said. Uh, but rise. But he didn't say in Jesus' name to her either because she was a Christian already. There's no need, you know, these people already know by whose power these things are being done. So that's, this is not Peter or Paul doing this. That's what all these people are going to think, but it's not Paul doing this. All right. And I pray, you know, remember uh, Paul had also observed Alemus intently, and then he cursed him. I, I pray that God would grant us some sort of vision like this, where we can distinguish somehow the true believer versus the false believer, so we know which one to curse and which one to bless. But, you know, that only comes by Christ and the Spirit. Okay, 11 through 13. Now, when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lysonian language, Yeah, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas uh, they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priests of Zeus, whose temple was in front of the city, their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, uh, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. Real quickly, um, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. It, Paul was probably preaching us being created in the image of God and also Christ, God sending his son in the likeness of man and all of that. And they're probably getting completely confused about what he's saying and basically that they are, are, are the ones that they're preaching about that themselves. So we've all heard of Zeus, right? Hermes was basically the... the the messenger of the gods. He was a god himself, but he was a messenger, a herald of the gods. And so they call Paul Hermes because he's the one who's speaking. And they call uh, Barnabas Zeus because Zeus would be, we all know who Zeus is. And this, I think, lends itself, it suggests to me anyway, Barnabas was probably older than Paul. And we saw, you know, in, in when uh, Barnabas was introduced going to the Antioch, you know, in the other region, the original Antioch, before he went to Tarsus, um, um, what was, where was I going? I don't remember where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, and, and by that time, he had apparently died. Remember, because uh, uh, um, Luke says, for he was full of uh, the Holy Spirit and faith, and he is basically, you know, uh, it, again, uh, suggests that he had already died. So I think, you know, this lends itself to uh, that he was probably a little bit older. Real quickly, though, so Zeus, obviously the father of the god, or whatever, the lead god of the gods. Hermes is the messenger. Okay. Now, in ancient times, everybody would know about, you know, Zeus and Hermes. However, in specific areas, they would, they would refer to Zeus and Hermes in a different way for their specific location. In Lystra... There was a tradition that, that, that Zeus and Hermes had visited their city and, and it tested them, like, like uh, went from house to house asking for them to take them in and take care of them, you know. And, they, you know, a bunch of people said no until they came to one house, a, a married couple, man, you know, man and woman, and they brought them in. And in, to, to, uh, to uh, return the favor, basically, to, to bless them for actually, you know, bringing them in, 
that changed into a temple, basically marble columns, a golden roof, and all this kind of thing, which is where the priest of Zeus is. Okay, in the, in, the, in the front area of their city is this supposed ancient, ancient house that had been turned into the temple when Zeus and Hermes had visited. So now they're thinking, okay, they've, they've returned. Oh, and they condemned uh, all the other houses. And all the other houses fell or destroyed with the people in them. So they think that, these, that Zeus and Hermes have returned incognito. You know, the, the, just mere men and all this kind of a thing. And uh, so... So that's why they're like, okay, well, we don't want to make that same mistake. We don't want to be destroyed. So let's just go ahead and at the outset, go ahead and start sacrificing to them. You know, uh, acquiesce to everything they're doing and everything. So the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. And remember, remember um, Herod Agrippa, when, when the crowds began to praise him. Remember his response. Remember the end of that response. We're going to see, as we will see from over and over again, that the apostles' response is completely different. Okay. Uh, oh, definitely not. Okay, 14 to 16. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, again, though, here's, he's referring to him as apostle, and we'll get to that, actually. Uh, apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this. They tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are, you, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to, to walk in their own ways. We're going to spend a little bit of time here. Apostles, so obviously we, we know about the 12 apostles that, that Christ gave authority to, right? Now, the... Paul is also an apostle, granted a specific authority. James is referred to as an, as an apostle. That means, so an apostle is one who's sent. It's, it's another, it's a word similar to angel, but an angel is only sent as, as, as just giving the message, right? The, the apostle is giving the message with the authority of the one who's sending it. So, uh, uh, an angel is more like a messenger pigeon, you know, just a pigeon you send out that takes you a letter. A, 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 an apostle is more like an ambassador, okay? When he goes and speaks for the king, he goes and speaks for the king, as though he's the king himself, with the authority, anyway, of the king himself. Um, yeah, Paul's... Uh, uh, and I, again, uh, we'll, we'll look at the ecclesiastical structure of the church um, in, a, in a separate uh, study. The ecclesiology is basically the doctrine and the logistics of the church is a better way to put it. Um, yeah, again, Barnabas then had a special um, authority. Okay, and they tore their clothes. This was a conventional way to express grief and sorrow. You'll see this in the Old Testament over and over and over again. Whenever, whenever something terrible happens, they tear their clothes. They're, it's kind of a sign of anguish. And so they're, they're, they're torn. They're cut to the heart in a way. Uh, and so they tear their, uh, their clothes. Um, yeah, again, they're distressed. And, and they ran in among the multitudes. They didn't just stay wherever they were preaching, you know, and stay back and say, no, no, no. No, they are going into the multitude. Please don't do this. We are men just like you are. You know, I was just preaching Christ to you. We're, we are here, the same nature, and we are here 
to preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God. These things are death. We're here to preach to you the living God. Please don't do this. So they ran in among the multitudes. Again, we've got to set the scene here and recognize this is more, <laughs> there's more detail here. There's more emphasis. Again, they didn't just stay back and say and implore them, no, 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 put those silly things away. Please stop and just listen to us. No, they ran in. Stop doing this. Okay? Now, all right. Uh... Oh, and then they asked them, why are you doing this? The quintessential question, the question I love the most, and, and they, they're asking them, why are you doing this? We are also men with, with the same nature as you. you know, why? What has compelled you to do this? Yeah, you saw this man, this man healed, but I've been preaching Christ to you this whole time. You know, it's not us. Why are you doing these things? Um, and let us remember that the Antichrist will perform many signs and wonders. So they're running in. Don't worship men just for signs and wonders. What we were preaching is to turn from that to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. And we'll get to this next part. But who made the heaven? These people believe in these gods in such a way that, that, that they would have specific gods for all of these specific things, right? One god over the heaven, one god over the earth, the other god for the sea, the other god, a bunch of different gods for all the creatures in them, uh, and, and all the rest. And what Paul is saying, and what Barnabas, they're both saying, is the living god, first of all, this is a li he's a living god. Zeus and Hermes never existed, so uh, they're not. And so this is the living god who made all of those things you've made a God over. This is the all-powerful God. Turn from this nonsense, especially in this uh, tendency to praise men, and turn to the living God, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. People love that. People love that comment. What, the, what this means, basically, and we will return to this, before Christ came, God, this doesn't mean that sin wasn't sin before Christ came. This isn't saying that God allowed sin when Christ came. We see that in early accounts that we've uh, um, uh, considered, uh, like Genesis 3, you know, after the fall. You know, it's not like he just allowed them <laughs> to, to disobey and he's like, okay, cool. No, this means that the Old Testament was specifically, and we've mentioned this, it was specifically for the people of Israel. It wasn't for any other nations, with a few exceptions, with particular individuals. But it wasn't for other people. Now that Christ has come, all of the world, all of the world now must conform to him. God has sent his son in the fullness of time, and that which he had promised from the foundation of the earth has come. And now all men, all men and women, when they come before Christ, will profess him as Lord. And that's, but that's what he's saying. You know, in bygone generations before Christ came, you know, the nations were left to just do as they did, do as they pleased. They didn't, they didn't have to come under the, you know, 
essentially anyway the 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 um, covenant of uh, of Abraham or any of that uh, they basically he just left them now Christ has come and now he's sending his people to the ends of the earth and so he's not it's not the same situation anymore does that make sense it's kind of a gross summation of it but or a summary of it but uh, um, gives you kind of a question the uh, essence of it basically okay Uh, 17 and 18. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with uh, food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. So he's saying, again, though he allowed those, those nations to do as they please, and although Christ hadn't come, remember, he did not leave himself without a witness. This is showing natural theology, which we remember we reviewed that. In that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. In other words, God reigns on the just and the unjust. God provides degenerate men and his people with the same sustenance. They all get rain. They all get food. They all get gladness. Um, yeah, and fruitful seasons. The seasons that will produce these things necessary for their for their nutrition for their sustenance for their continuing to live and in this way that is where god does love everybody and that's where he's imploring us to love everybody being a neighbor okay because god loves all men and women in that way he loves us in a very special way in christ he loves us like he loves his son he loves other people because he provides for them he has made heaven and earth, and he's providing for heaven and earth and the people he created. Um, oh, and then with these say saying, so basically they're saying, you know, why are you doing this? You know, we're men just like you and all the rest. And they're still, they still can scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing them. These people aren't listening. These people, these people don't care. These people are stuck in their idolatry, and they, they, no matter what, they're not getting out of it. All of them. That doesn't give any exceptions. There might have been one, but Luke doesn't mention it, so we're left to assume that it was every single one there. All right. Uh, yeah, okay. That's fine. Um, 19 and 20. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas and Derby. It's the first time Paul is physically harmed. Remember, he escaped out the window. He fled to Lystra and Derby, as it just said. This is the first time. Remember, he was the persecutor of the church. Remember, he was there for Stephen's stoning. He consented to it. He authorized it. And now, here is the first, first of many we will see that this is the first of many where he's stoned and he's so heavily stoned sounds bad but anyway he's so heavily assaulted with these stones that they suppose he's dead they suppose he's lifeless trust me they're, they're checking him out they want to make sure he's dead so he was beaten enough this close to death okay and then so they supposed him to be dead, just left him, which was against the law, just so you know. 
<laughs> but anyway, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. God has given him life. God, God, he has received his call from Christ. And though he is going to be persecuted like this over and over again, remember five times I received 40 lashes minus one. I was beaten in the here. I was beaten there. Ten to, I don't remember how many times he was stoned. Over and over and over again. Only strengthening his resolve. Only strengthening his witness. Only strengthening his powerful giving of the gospel. Again, and we'll return to this because Paul, we'll, we'll get back to this. But it's just important to recognize um, uh, that. Because remember also that this stoning, remember, here we go, the Jews from Antioch, remember where they were, they were gathering, all, they, they were, uh, gotten the prominent women and the men of the, the city leaders basically together to persecute them. In Iconium, they had planned to stone them, remember? And they fled. So now these guys are coming over here and being like, let's finish the job. This is what we wanted to do. Let's do it. And they didn't stone Barnabas. They only stoned Paul because he was the chief speaker. Okay, that didn't mean Barnabas said nothing and he had no power. Remember, we, he, he goes to the churches and encourages the churches. So Barnabas is really primarily to encourage the churches. Paul is too, but Paul is sent out for the Gentiles. So that's why they're killing Paul instead of Barnabas, okay? But it's very important that we recognize this is the first time this great apostle is, is persecuted, harmed greatly. And remember, as Stephen was being stoned, how that, what that looked like. He's going through the same thing, but he doesn't fall asleep. All right. No, uh, no, uh, no, not at all. Uh, the tying and everything. No, this actually is a portrait of. It, it's not a it's really a portrait. It was a. It, it was to signify a message. We can cut this out. Uh, well, let me pause this so I know the time. Um, it was. To, it's to symbolize the actual stoning that is happening in other areas, primarily from Muslims. Well, pretty much exclusively from Muslims uh, for whatever reason. If a woman doesn't have their hijab on, if a woman goes out in public without a man, all, if you're gay, I mean, if you're gay, you're probably gonna get thrown on all sorts of things, but there is stoning happening today. But no, these, these look like salt rocks. I don't know what these are, but the, so they do tie them up kind of a thing sometimes, uh, but in the um, ancient times and in the Old Testament, no, it doesn't say to, to um, to bind them. I mean, I'm sure they would from time to time, but um, doesn't say that. Right? Yeah. I mean, they would typically be big stones. I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not chunking pebbles at these people. All right. <clears throat> 21 and 22. And when they had preached the gospel of that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Okay, here's where I was saying, though. They're returning to all those cities that they have founded these, church these churches where they were persecuted. Paul was almost stoned to death, and he's still going back to these cities. And then he's strengthening them, and he's exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. This, he's saying this 
just after he was almost killed. We've talked about the necessity of going through, and especially the church's persecution, and the great witness that comes with that. But remember, we've also seen James, where he says, rejoice when you come, up, come across trials and tribulations, when you have trials and tribulations, for they produce patience, and then patience will increase your faith even more. So he's basically saying, Christianity isn't a lazy man's religion. It's not a comfortable religion. It's one that we, where we find peace even in the tribulations, especially in the tribulations, where we should be more rejoiceful, where we should give him more praise. To be just idle, just idly standing by, and, and nobody hating us, I, I'm sorry, it, it, that is just counter to how Christ was treated, and how any of his faithful people have been treated. The world hated him. They will hate us as well. Let us always remember that. And through many tribulations, we enter the kingdom of God. Let's not be lax. Let's not be still. Let's never rest on our laurels. Entering the kingdom of God is what we're meant for. It's also... the greatest treasure you can't receive from anybody else, the most wonderful gift in all the world, but that is to be gotten through pain, through trials. This isn't an easy faith. This is a very difficult faith, and it needs to be, and we need to recognize that, and we need to embrace it, and we need to thank God for it. We don't, you know, Christ can just save us and send us straight to heaven. But he doesn't. He keeps us here to be faithful to his word. All right. Okay. Um, What is that? 23 through 26. So when they had uh, appointed elders in every church and praying with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. So again, see, here's, here's where, oh, they, they didn't go through Cyprus, by the way. I just wanted to point that out real quickly. They do return to there later, though. Uh, well, Paul does. Um, but anyway, so here's where, remember, this is where they were separated to the Spirit, and then they went to all these, you know, all these areas. And now they're, they're coming from Derby, going back. Again, we already mentioned that they go back to the other cities. And, and then they're returning to Antioch where they were, where they were separated. So that's where they are now. Um, but again, they're going back and encouraging these, these believers and praying. Oh, and they're appointing elders. Remember, we talked about that briefly. But that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're appointing leaders to oversee these people. They're finding faithful men to lead these people. Some of whom will preach. Some of whom won't. Some of whom will just help... Sp- uh, individual people with their faith to continue in the faith and continue seeking after the Lord. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. What did I say here? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, 27 and 28. Uh-oh. Oh, no, we got it. 
Uh, now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of the faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with, their, with the disciples. Remember, the men at uh, Antioch here, who we briefly looked at, was Simeon, called Niger. Remember that? Lucia of Cyrene, figured you would remember that. Uh, um, uh, and and uh, Menaim, who, remember, was, was raised in, uh, under Herod the Great. So th- these are the men who were at Antioch, remember? Um, yeah. Uh, and again, remember, the church in Antioch is very, very important in the early church. Very, very important. Um, yeah, and again, they are coming to get, and they, get, they didn't just gather those men. They gathered the church together. All of the faithful. Okay, again, let's set the scene. The, all of the church knows that, that the Spirit separated Paul and Barnabas to go out to these areas to where he was sending them for the work that he, to which he has called them. And so these people had sent them out. They have no idea what's, what has, what's happened. They're hoping they make it back. They know about the persecution. They're hoping they make it back. But they know God is faithful. The Holy Spirit has separated these men. But they're eagerly, they must have been eagerly anticipating to see them. And they don't know when. They don't know when. And remember, when they went out, they were with John Mark. They returned without John Mark. They might have been wondering until, you know, they told, they told them, yeah, he took off. But they might have been wondering if he had been killed. Who knows? But they had gathered those three leaders and the entire church to tell them that what all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Remember, for the first time, remember when we looked at that map, and I know it was just a map, but it's a beautiful illustration of what didn't transpire before Christ came and now what is happening until he comes again. This is a wonderful, wonderful testimony that he has opened the door of the faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And then next chapter will shift straight into Jerusalem, them going back to Jerusalem anyway. Um, so we, again, we don't know how long, but this is a very you know, short uh, um, synopsis of it. But they did stay there a long time. Okay? All right. Um, yeah, and again, so next week we'll, we'll actually... Uh, uh, Consider, finally, the council, council in Jerusalem, which we've alluded to time and time and again. Um, for the conclusion, we're going to read Isaiah 51. Uh, does anybody have any questions? This is going to take like five years to connect and everything, so we're just going to have to wait a little bit. Oh, this might be a little difficult to, uh, to see. Let's see. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, those are the top and bottom. Okay. That should be fine. All right. I don't like the lights. All right. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the of the pit which you you were dug. And to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For the, lo- for the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all of her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. 
Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving in the voice of melody. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light to, of the peoples. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me, and on my arm they will trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look on the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanquish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. Awake! Awake! Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Are you not the arm that cut Rahab apart and wounded the serpent? Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, that made the depths of the sea erode for the redeemed to cross over? So the, random, so the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die, and of the son of a man who will be, like, who will be made like grass? And you forget the Lord your Maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You have, fe you have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, when he is prepared to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive ex exile hastens, that he, may, that he may be loosed, that he should not die in the pit, and that his bread should not fail. But I am the Lord your God, who divided the seas, whose waves roared. The Lord of the hosts is his name, and I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. You have drunk the dregs of the cup of the trembling and drained it out. There is no one to guide her. Among all the sons she has brought forth, nor is there any who takes her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. These two things have come to you. Who will be sorry for you? Desolation and destruction, famine and sword. By whom will I comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all streets, like an antelope in a net. They are full of the fear of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore, please hear this, you afflicted, and drunk, but not with wine. Thus says the Lord, the Lord and your God, who pleads the cause of his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it, but I will put it into the hand of those who afflict you, who have said to you, Lie down, that we may walk over you. And you have laid your body like the ground, and is a street for those who walk over. The simmering heat of the furnace, the glow of perpetual flame, and the shimmering light dost thou turn us, to engulf us in full in thy name. Thy glory and strife and affliction, thy mercy and troubles and trials, when we rejoin in thee in thy crucifixion, it is thy breath of a coming revival. Where the wind is calmed in the storm, when the seas come to peace at his word, it is then thou cries out for reform, when thy bride is made pure by the sword. And amidst all the blazes of fury, wrought by the spark of the fallen, as we sit before the devil's jury, it is, it is thee to whom we are called in. May the infernal rise up even higher, and spread through the forest of man, 
for, for thou art with us in the midst of the fire, and in, the, and in thy grace alone can we stand, until we, until we meet thee in peace for all time, until our broken frames are made whole, we shall rejoice in the strength that is thine, and praise thee it is well with my soul. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to CF Fire Ministries podcast with Pastor James Myers. We hope you enjoy this message. Please subscribe and follow us. Tune in as we continue in the book of Acts.